Welcome to the Raging Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Dixon, Kai Zabo, and Taylor McIntyre. What's up, you turkeys? <laughs> Welcome to episode 49 of the Raging Takes Podcast. Today's date is December 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Kai the Commissioner Zabo. Joined today with my fellow co-host, Dylan Peters. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. There's been a uh, a little string of two-man pods here going on, so yeah, we've had problem with it. Yeah, we've had people being sick. Uh, Brian will not be joining us today. He's got some prior engagements with his school schoolwork. Yeah, I think he's got a big project to do, something like that. You sure about that? <laughs> you sure about that's not why? But anyways, t- <laughs> today we got a fun episode lined up for you. We, you know, our usual Saturday antics. You know, we got some NFL news to go over. We have some uh, fantasy sit or start decisions for those of you in four-team playoff leagues. Um, or four- it's crunch time right now. You are in crunch time and you need this help from us. Yeah. So if you're in a league where there's only four teams that make it in the playoffs, this is most likely your last week of regular regular season play. So definitely a very important week here in fantasy for those in six or more. There's probably one more week after. So without further ado, let's get into the news. So first bit of news, Zach Ertz has mutually agreed to part ways with the Arizona Cardinals, and he desires to play for a contender. Mm. Of course he does, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's at the twilight of his career. It's kind of expected, you know? Yeah, I got one. I got a contender for you that's kind of hurting for a tight end right now. Who? Philly. Yeah, I mean. You can see him back in Philly like tomorrow, dude, if he's a free agent. Well, so. Yeah, so I mean, Goddard is set to come back maybe in like the next week or two. But um, and tailing off of what you said with Zach Ertz to the Eagles, an interesting stat I did see recently is – if Zach Ertz gets 11 more receptions with the Eagles, he will be their all-time leading uh, wide receiver in oh, receptions. For their franchise. So, yeah. yeah, there's incentive for him to want to go back. There's incentive for maybe the Eagles to want to take, like, a, a little flyer on him for the end of the season. I mean, we saw the Eagles do it last year with uh, – um, uh, who the – Robert Quinn, they they, they – tried to get Robert Quinn last year. Was it the, whatever they tried to get him during the Super Bowl run? Like, I think they're okay with taking little flyers rentals on players at the end of the year. I mean, I we like, know, we know Howie Roseman loves those rentals too. So I would, I yeah, would not put that past him. And Zach Ertz ain't going to be expensive. He's coming off injury. I mean, it, the best thing he's going to be is like a guy who kind of helps the playoff push a little bit, maybe even bring a veteran presence, more of a veteran presence into that locker room. So that makes probably the most sense to me for both for both parties. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, another team I was hearing some nice rumblings about too, the Ravens. You know, as they know, as you know, they just mm. lost uh, Mark Andrews. I don't know how much better he would be than Isaiah Likely at this point in his career, but I think that'd be kind of interesting. A lot better. Likely, likely be a little bit better than Isaiah Likely. Is. Okay. So Isaiah Likely is like that guy that's really good. He's a, he's like a poor man's Kyle Pitts, dude. Like he looks really athletic. You think he should be making the plays he's making, but he's really not, you know? So there is sometimes for the tight ends, man, it takes three, four, five years to get into that flow. And it's very likely that it's going to take him that long. You know what I mean? As a guy like that. Um, 
so I think for both of these teams, they're both probably the number one seed in their conference. You know, almost standalone like the Ravens are, I believe, have like a half game lead over the Chiefs or something like that. Um, it'd be good to bring a veteran like that, a guy yeah. that knows he's been there before. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, let's move on to the next bit of news here. So Tyree Kill has stated that he will cover the salary of suspended cameraman Kevin Fitzgibbon for the rest of the year. So for those of you who don't know, Kevin Fitzgibbon was a cameraman who was at the end zone during week six for the Dolphins win against the Panthers. I guess um, Tyree Kill scored a long touchdown and used his phone to do a backflip celebration, and the NFL has decided to discipline the cameraman for allowing Tyree Kill to use his phone, which I think is personally kind of messed up. So, yeah, from what I heard from him, it was his reaction after like celebrating after Tyreek Hill took his phone and did all the pictures and stuff like that. But in my opinion, it's not, you shouldn't suspend a guy, dude. That's just, he's out there. He's like, if anything, that is actually what the NFL is doing is now people might hear this. This might go viral on TikTok. People might be like, this, this, and that. And this is a young kid just trying to make his dreams come alive. And once again, it's another bashing of the younger generation by the old people. Yeah. So uh, now, like, you're going to put a dent in your viewership for young kids, I think, once they see, because they know Tyreek streams and they know this is one of Tyreek's best friends and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. It's just, it's not a good look for the NFL with the younger crowd. I don't know what they're really poking at here. Yeah, absolutely. It sucks, too. Yeah. He was only a 20 year old kid, you know, probably like, that was like, probably like the highlight of his life, you know. You know, his best friend scored a big touchdown right in front of him, used his phone to do a backflip. You know, he probably got some hits on that video, too. So Yeah, tons. The NFL should be very, very thankful for guys like Tyreek and this cameraman having a friendship and yeah. and kind of humanizing the NFL a little bit, you know? Like, mm -hmm. these NFL guys are friends with people that are just trying to make it happen in their lives. Like, I don't know. It's, it's tough to watch for the NFL to do this kind of thing, especially with a kid trying to achieve his dreams, man. Yeah. Good on Tyreek, though, for trying to make the situation right, though, as much as he could. So I'm starting to like – I really am liking Tyreek Hill a lot more and more mm -hmm. as time yeah, goes he's, on. He's definitely a character. Like, he has his personality flaws. He has his little things he has going on. and But the dude is 100% himself at all times, and I respect that. I respect the shit out of that. Yeah. Tyreek. Yeah, he makes the NFL better, that's for sure. A question about Tyreek. Do you think that he will? Because remember, before the season, he said that he's gonna, uh, he's gonna eclipse two thousand receiving yards, right? Do you think he's gonna do it? I mean, he's pacing it pretty goddamn well, and yeah, I mm -hmm. do actually. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I said it was gonna be Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill, but obviously Tyreek has a much stronger chance at this point in mm -hmm. time. So I do believe he will. That'd be crazy, dude. Yeah. All right. Um, last bit of news here is uh, just a little small bit of news. Uh, Deshaun Jackson officially retires as a Philadelphia Eagle. He played in the NFL for 15 seasons. Personally, one of my favorite players when he did play for the Eagles. I like Deshaun Jackson a lot. He's great, dude. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Jackson was like one of those first guys that was like, he was pushing the boundaries a little bit on the celebrations and he mm -hmm. was being really like he was doing a lot of showman things and that uh i mean he's pretty famous for like the the, um, the fumble pre uh end zone where he was he returned yeah. that pine and he flipped it out before he crossed yep i, I mean remember. but that itself it's another guy that just was always himself he never 
he never cut it down for anybody. He never diluted himself for the NFL or anything like that. So um, it's good to see he's actually retiring now. Like this year he retired. Yep. So it's going to be um, it's going to be an interesting situation when it comes to Hall of Fame induction time with a guy like Deshaun mm. Jackson. Like, will, will he make it? Will he not? Because I think I, I don't maybe I, I don't know if I'd call him a Hall of Famer, but he's definitely he's going to be like a Devin Hester. Like Devin Hester, I don't intend him to make the Hall of Fame very quickly, but I do believe that he will be in the conversation for a couple years to come. I could see Deshaun Jackson as that kind of guy because he was a huge, huge like part of the face of the NFL for a couple years there. Yeah. All right, then. So that wraps up our news and notes from around the league. Um, let's jump into our make-or-break fantasy lineups uh, where we choose between two guys to start or sit. Um, first off, Dylan, we have Christian Watson versus the Chiefs or Amari Cooper versus the Rams. What, which way are you going? This is a good one. Yeah. This is a really good one just because so, the matchups. Uh, before you say something, let me put this into hindsight too. So the Packers currently, uh, Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed might potentially not play in this game either. So take that into account. Um. I really like so the only thing holding me up on Amari Cooper this year in fantasy is the revolving door of quarterbacks. Yep. And door number one was not that great. Door number two, not that great, right? Door number three, which is was is it uh it's Joe Flacco now, dude. Technically it's door, door number four. Yeah, technically it's door number four. So like the first three doors didn't really pan out for the Browns, and I'm really thinking like Joe Flacco coming in, it's not gonna be very much i see a lot of maybe running in this game i don't know a lot of ball control um or we could see joe flacco just be joe flacco who knows dude i'm excited actually that well, joe flacco is actually back reports in camp are his arm strength still looks like it's there well that's good yeah so he's gonna need it he's gonna need it um i would still probably go christian watson mm-hmm. um just because um jordan love here is kind of on the rise jordan love is he's back to maybe being as hot as he was like uh the end of last year beginning of this year he had a little hot and cold uh patch there but um i don't think that the chiefs defense is necessarily like invincible against the pass like they can be scored on they're a very good defense though so i think it's gonna really come down to who can make the biggest play between him and Amari Cooper, and it's got to be Christian Watson on the big play scale. All yeah. he needs is uh, like a forty-yard touchdown, and he wins this matchup, in my opinion. So, and Christian Watson could, has proved he could do that anytime. Yep. First I mean, play it, the game could be, dude. Who it knows? definitely makes it a lot better too if Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks are out for this contest as well. So, and honestly. Honestly, you don't really have the luxury to wait on hearing if Jaden Reed is going to play because he's a game time decision on Sunday yeah. night football. So, yeah, you don't want that. And yeah. you know what? I'm I'm becoming less and less of a believer when you have a guy like Christian Watson. Like, does a wide receiver being out boost his stock? And it's not necessarily yes all the time. I think sometimes the the missing a guy can hurt you because Jaden Reed could take up. Uh, he could, someone has to man him up. Like Jaden Reed's not the kind of guy you can just say, forget him, put him to the side. He's fine. You know, it, it is what it is. But um, I think having all those weapons on the field kind of opens up the field a little bit for a guy like Christian Watson. 
uh, doesn't allow the defense to maybe put someone over the top as necessarily as much. But um, target-wise, I'd like to see Christian Watson maybe be targeted more because he's always been a low-target, high-efficiency guy. Yeah. Can he get into the um, key third down catches, 17 yards for a first down? Can he, get, can he be that guy? If he could be that guy for the Packers, this guy's going to explode. So it's really a tale of like someone ascending and then someone descending with Amari Cooper. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I do think Amari Cooper's value in fantasy is descending uh, rapid this year, especially pretty rapidly. Yep. I'm also taking Christian Watson in this matchup. So um, next one we got here is Chuba Hubbard versus the Buccaneers or Zach Moss versus the Titans. Who would you go with? That's my question. Um, me personally, I think I'm taking Zach Moss. You know, uh, Jonathan Taylor, of course, is out. And we have seen when Zach Moss is the focal point at running back, he gets the volume. I know the matchup isn't the most loveliest against the Titans stout run defense, but I'm still going to go with volume here. Yeah, man. Zach Moss really proved that he can handle a load earlier this season. Like, he can be your bell cow back if you really need him to. We don't know if he has the season long. That wasn't tested this year because Jonathan Taylor came back pretty pretty strong. But as we both know, Jonathan Taylor is fucking... He, he's got that... He's just having thumb surgery or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, man. Uh, but Chuba Hubbard is like the baseline guy. He's like the guy that you were like plugging into your flex or is he going to get the receiving work this game? Like... The Panthers' offense isn't really great, and um, I don't think the Panthers' offense is going to do very great versus the Bucks. So yeah, I'm going to have to go with Zach Moss just based on a lot of things. Fucking production, uh, carries, targets, red zone production. He's a goal line back. Like yeah, and their offense has way more of an opportunity because the Colts have a high scoring offense. They do. If you if you if, they, if you look at the Colts like as a whole, other than a couple of games. Like, they score points, and those points come from somewhere. Yep. And they have proven, obviously, they, they like to score with the run game. So, mm-hmm. Zach Moss all day. I'm, Zach Moss is my guy this week. Um, if you got him, you're pretty stoked that you have him. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, last make-or-break decision here. We have Tyler Higby versus the Browns or Cade Otten versus the mm-hmm. Panthers. I want to go Tyler Higby so bad. I love the fact that Tyler Higby had a big explosion game last week. He had two touchdowns, I believe. Um, but then you get you realize his matchup, man. Yeah. You realize that you got this matchup where is Cooper Cup still out? Um, like he's in and he, out, right? Like he's, he's he's not on the injury report this week, so I do think he's playing. But he played last week too with Cooper Cup, so yeah. I mean. Cooper Cup's a superhuman. Let's just go ahead and say it. Like, this dude gets injured and comes back, and you don't even know he's back yet. Um, Just a real stand-up guy, Cooper Cup is. He's very scrappy. Uh, <laughs> um, But you want to go with Tyler Higby so bad because he's hot right now, but then you realize this defense is a cooler. Mm-hmm. This Cleveland's Brown defense is a cooler in every single which way of the word. Um, It doesn't matter what position you play. You never want to play anybody versus them. But then, like, Kate Otten. You know, like, do you feel comfortable starting Kate Auden ever? I mean, if it's not a dynasty league. It's not the worst desperation play that you can make. And there are some reports that Chris Godwin may not play in this game. I mean, whether you're not going to start Chris Godwin anyways, because he's kind of been declining this year. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't play, I mean, that could leave some more room open for Kate Auden, especially against a uh, not so stout Panthers defense as oh, of late. Man. 
and that freaking Bucks defense dude is ravaged with Levante David, Devin White, oh, Jamel yeah. now. So they Man, could, you really they could be throwing yeah. a lot this game. And the linebacker core is decimated right now. So he's plays tight end, man. This is a real toss up for me. I really I'm just gonna go K Dotton off the off the jump because I don't really feel comfortable sitting there stressing over Tyler Higby catching a couple passes in the fourth quarter because he only has three points. Yeah. Cause I've been I've been stuck there with tight ends all the time. You got this guy with a good match a bad matchup against a good defense. And then all of a sudden you're like, he has two catches for 17 yards and there's three minutes left in the game. And it's like garbage time. And you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. You get two catches for, I don't want that. Um, I'm not saying it won't be that way with Kate either, but at least he's facing a significantly worse defense in my opinion. Yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to go Kate Otten too, but I don't really think there's a wrong answer here. You know, Tyler Higby could very well blow up. He has been shown to be a favorite target of Matt Stafford. On occasion so either way that's true either way yep all right uh let's move on to the week 13 thursday night football review um so it was cowboys 41 seahawks 35 so this was finally a good thursday night football game we have been blessed dude finally and it only took what they they started in like week two yeah you know, week three, something like that with the Amazon Thursday Night Football, man. It's been rough. It's been rough. And if you're not a fan of one of the teams that wins on Thursday Night Football, it's a shit show. Nobody mm-hmm. likes watching it. The only Thursday Night Football I enjoyed before this was when the Bears beat the Commanders. Yep. That's it. It's because you're like, yeah, my team fucking won. Yeah. But whatever. Um, I do have I do have to give it to the Cowboys, though. Um, they beat a good team. It was looking hairy for a second, and they beat a team that came in and said, you're not just going to steamroll us. We're not the Giants. you know." And and for a second, it did look like the Cowboys were like, it was an eight-point game at one second. It was like 28 to 20, and I'm like, dang, dude, can the Cowboys actually like hold on against this team, or are they really getting beat by you know, an average team? Because I think – as good as the Seahawks might be like that they showed, they're still an average playoff team. Yeah. They're not like, they're not the, you know, the Ravens coming in there, you know? Uh, so I really enjoyed this game. I enjoyed watching that. That Cowboys pass offense was on fire. It, like it really looked like a well-oiled machine. This is, they're getting everyone involved and it. It kind of looks like trouble for the NFC here. It's like we got three really, really, really good teams at the top in the NFC, and it's going to be a dogfight in the playoffs. I'm I'm excited to see this. Yeah, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I think I'm ready to give the Cowboys their respects. Yeah, I mean, um, say what you will about them blowing up bad teams and whatnot, but this offense, man, this offense is so efficient with Dak at the helm. Mm-hmm. Um, they've even talked. They've even talked about Dak in the same realm as at possible MVP this year. I mean, if if you really if you really look at his numbers, and I I, I kind of forget how the MVP voting goes, but doesn't it happen in the playoffs? Like the, the yeah. NFL MVP is announced like right before the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. So this really does give a chance for Dak to solidify that, that MVP spot. If he's going to win the MVP, he's got to make this playoff run. Yeah. And, it, and it does, it does really look like he might be ready to do that. I mean, it wasn't the most, I think flawless, perfect game. 
um, that he's had all year, obviously, but he played really well. He spread the ball around really well. And it looked like everybody on that Cowboys team wanted to win that game. Yep. This was also From, the first yeah. game where I saw Dak Prescott face a little bit more pressure than he normally does. I think he got sacked four times this game. Um, yeah. yeah, he got sacked. He got. It was not, and it was, and it was very early too. I think they, the Seahawks, had gotten to him very early in that game. And usually, when that happens to a quarterback that necessarily has their ups and downs. That kind of rattles you when you get sacked early in the game like that. It could mm-hmm. set you back or like mess up your timing, and I don't think it really did. Um, and I think C.D. Lamb also answered all the questions that he needed to answer. Like he's answered every question this year that we might have had about oh. C.D. Lamb. Is he a wide receiver one? He definitely is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you'd be crazy not to yeah. say so. Yeah, before this season, it was kind of like, can C.D. survive without the presence of another wide receiver there and he has but i gotta tell you man the addition of brandon cooks to this offense is pretty damn really, good really good for this offense especially in the red zone yeah. where it doesn't uh, it doesn't force cd to catch now i do pass. i do have one more question to ask about the the whole dak prescott mvp thing so something i was hearing can dak prescott be the mvp if the cowboys do not win their division hmm I mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think you could keep him in consideration for it, but I definitely do think that winning your division helps a lot with that notion as well. Yeah. So. It right. really does. It, it really depends on how tight the division gets. Like, if the Cowboys slip up and they lose the division by two games, I don't – I think maybe they're like, well, you're obviously not as valuable to your team as Lamar Jackson. Or yeah. not Lamar. But I don't think Lamar will win it, but you know what I mean? Like a division winning quarterback, even Jalen Hurts. Like I think Jalen Hurts might be he might he Jalen Hurts might be the front runner for MVP at quarterback right now, in my opinion, just because his leadership that's an it's an intangible quality that some players mm-hmm. have. The leadership, it doesn't necessarily mean this guy threw for four thousand yards and forty touchdowns. It's just what are you doing on the field? Like your team's coming out with wins, you're not losing the team games, et cetera, you know. So yeah. we'll see. It's a, it's a lot of questions this year going into MVP because there's a lot of deserving players. Well, what I will say is for this next stre- this the da- Dallas's next stretch of games is a pretty big factor in Dak for MVP because they play a lot of tough run defenses but very weak secondaries. So it's going to be a very big stretch here for Dak in terms of his passing ability. Yeah. So what they played. Wow. Yeah. Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. I got to tell you, this three-game stretch, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins. You can throw on those teams. You can throw on those teams, absolutely. That's a a very big stretch for the Cowboys as well. Yeah. As a team, because, man, if if they can get past the Eagles somehow, you know, like I believe it's possible. Like if there's a team that can beat the Eagles right now, it's probably the Cowboys are one of them. Cowboys at home, especially for for that next game. And, you know, I mean, we always split with the Cowboys. I mean, I'm kind of expecting the Eagles to lose in Dallas. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But, like, there, it's only – who does Philly play? Who does Philly play this week? The Niners. Yeah, see, this is really important for – it's really – 
like if the Eagles lose to the Niners, let's just say somehow it's a it's a one game. It'll be Phillies ten to two, Dallas is nine and three. Mm, yeah, it's gonna tighten up so a that, little bit. So that'll put the Cowboys in a must win situation in the Eagles game. Mm-hmm. And woo, talk about the highest viewed football game in the NFL this year for sure. Oh yeah. Sure, I will be watching every second. Yeah. All right, let's get into the stats for this game. So Dak Prescott was 29 for 41, 299 yards and three touchdowns. Tony Pollard went 20 for 68 yards and one touchdown plus three catches for 15 yards. CeeDee Lamb, 12 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown plus 30 yards on the ground. Jake Ferguson, six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks, Four catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. And then over on the Seattle side, Geno Smith had probably his best game of the season. 23 for 41, 334 yards, three touchdowns and a pick, plus a rushing touchdown on the ground. And then Zach Charbonnet in place of Kenneth Walker went 19 for 60 yards, one touchdown, and then had a 39-yard catch. DK Metcalf, his best game of the season, six catches, 134 yards, and three touchdowns. JSN, seven catches for 62 yards. I believe he had a touchdown catch that was reversed. And then Tyler Lockett, five for 47. And Noah Fant, three catches for 43 yards. Yeah, man. um, The difference in this game was that Geno pick at the end. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Deron Bland picked him off, and that Mm -hmm. just shows you how good of a game that this actually was. There was nobody that was really trailing too much at one point. one thing I will note about this game is that <laughs> neither one of these teams gave up on the run. Both yeah. both of the running backs on both these teams had 19 and 20 yard, uh, carries, respectively. Not a lot of production. Not a lot of, you know, they had touchdowns each, a couple catches. But not a, a running back didn't take this game over, but the coaching staffs never gave up on it. And this is, the, this is a lesson in how to win football games. Even Absolutely. though Seattle didn't win, that recipe of pounding the rock and making the defense respect the run to open up your passing game. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of the teams can't beat a team like the Cowboys or even get close because they abandon the run. And then this ball hawking secondary is like, oh, you're going to toss it fifty times. I'm going to intercept you three times. Yep. We're going to pick. We're going to get a pick six on you. You're not going to be able to beat us. So hopefully, like teams do take this into consideration that you have to run the ball versus the Cowboys, regardless. Is yep. if you can get. If, even if you're only 100 yards in the game, you're still making that defense not be able to pin its ears back on your quarterback and brush the passer every single time. And these defensive, these talented defensive linemen aren't batting balls down and deflecting them and dudes are catching them and shit like that. Like, you have to control the game against the Cowboys. So good job on you, Seahawks. Hopefully this reminds me a lot of... Um, I know it's like... Um, but the Rams back in the day. Like, the whenever the Rams went to the Super Bowl... Against the Patriots, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bears played a very similar nighttime game where it was very low scoring, but they exposed the Rams on that day. Mm-hmm. They said, this is how you beat this team. You do this to them. You play this kind of defense. And then I watched the Patriots use the exact same formula to beat them in the Super Bowl. So It was the you, exact same game. So are you saying that you think the Cowboys defense got exposed a little bit here? I do think the Cowboys defense got exposed. I think it's um I think they maybe trusted a little bit too much into Ron Bland to really cover. 
a uh, DK Metcalf. That's not the kind of guy that you can just tail off of and play like ball hawking. You have to stick on him. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Deron Bland is necessarily used to sticking on a guy. Like, he's not a lockdown corner. He's more of like a, I was telling Brian, he's more of an Asante Samuel type than a Champ Bailey type. He's not a lockdown corner. He's an opportunistic corner. Okay. So when that ball's loose in the air or he can, he sees that he can cut your route off, he's going to. But DK, you can't cut his routes off. Yeah. DK is moving faster than you can. Yeah. So you have to really be in his face the whole time. So... Um, I'm not saying every team has a weapon like DK, but I do believe the Seahawks maybe expose that defense a little bit to show you how to slow them down, to show you how to keep them from getting you into a third and 17, getting you into these long situations where they really are blowing up, you know, offenses. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Overall though, I mean, this was the first game where I personally thought that the Cowboys were stress tested for the first time all year and they came out on top of it. So good for the Cowboys. Um, let's move on to our week 13 review or preview. All right. So oh, another thing, DK on my bench and APD popping off for 40 points makes me mad, dude. Makes yeah. me really mad. I mean, I personally probably would have sat him too in this matchup. So don't feel too bad. Yeah. I'm not, but you know what? Hindsight is a bitch. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right. Week 13 preview. We have six teams on by this week. So a lot of teams on by this week in an important week in fantasy football. So first match up here, Colts at six and five against the Titans who are at home four and seven. So Colts are currently sitting at number seven right now in the playoff mm -hmm. standings. Pretty big game for them. They could honestly improve their playoff standing with a win here. Um, Traylon Burks is questionable for the Titans, and Colts cornerback Juju Brents is out. What do you got on this game, Dylan? Um, I think this is really a game that is like a very regional game. I don't think that a lot of people are going to necessarily watch this, although like Colt, the Colts are in a very interesting position. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody really had the Colts as a playoff team going into this year. Like, yeah. vying for a playoff spot this late into the season. Um, they are hurting a little bit, but, you know, Zagmal showed that he can carry the load when he needs to. Um, but this AFC South race here is pretty interesting because we have Houston and Indianapolis basically vying for the seventh or sixth seed, whatever they might get themselves into. So, really important game uh, for the Colts here. Um we're really going to see if they can hold up against like Derrick Henry and this offense. That's um, not shown that they're great, but they can, they have explosive playmakers mm -hmm. on the Titans offense. So this is a division game. This is, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but I guess, I guess it's going to come down to, I guess, coaching and quarterback play. And I think it's very even when it comes to coaching and quarterback play in the, for these, both of these teams. Yeah. Who do you got? Um, this is a really hard one to pick. Um, I think I'm going to go, I'll probably go with the, um, I'm going to go with the Titans to edge them out. Okay. Because the Titans, they're at home. So, and this is a division game and Tennessee plays these games pretty tough and they have a decent defense. So I could see this a little bit of an upset here, but, um, not, not too much of an upset to yeah. see the Titans win out. Yeah. 
So you and Brian are on the Titans and me and Mac are taking the Colts. I'm personally taking the Colts because they're on a hot streak right now. They came out of November uh, undefeated. I think they have a really good formula of how to win games. Gardner Minshew has shown that he is a proven leader on the football field and can lead his team to strong victories. Um, Titans are still kind of on the slide a little bit. Um, I know they're a good team, good, well-coached, you know. Um, I'm just not a big believer in Will Levis anymore, so I'm going to take the better quarterback here in this contest. And desperation for the Colts is all-time high right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say that for sure. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on to the next game. We have the Chargers at 4-7 and seven at the Patriots, who are 2-9. and nine. Bailey Zappi will be the starting quarter, quarterback for this matchup. Ezekiel Elliott is questionable for this game. Patriots wide receivers Demario Douglas and Kayshawn Boutte are out. And Keenan Allen was limited in practice and is a game-time decision. Hmm. Well, although like all those injuries you might look at might scare you, um, not really for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I see like for me, like this, like if you look at the records of these teams, like you would think the Chargers suck and they do like they're sucky, right? Mm-hmm. But the Patriots are so bad. Like the Patriots are like, this might be the year where we have two of the most God awful teams playing at once, the Giants and the Patriots. And these are the guys that face each other in the Super Bowl twice and two of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen in my life 12, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it just shows you how the tides of the uh, tides turn in the NFL. But um, I really, even though this is in Foxborough, the Chargers are favored. And I can understand why. I don't, I don't see this Patriots team, even if they play really, really great defense, having – the firepower to even keep up if the Chargers scored 20 points. Yeah. Yeah, this is, a, the, this is an interesting one. I mean, this is absolutely a game that the Chargers should win, so I think I'm going to tilt in that direction. Uh, Mac and Brian are also on the Chargers, so who do you got? Oh, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Chargers for sure. Pretty easy. Um, and I'm really going to hope that Austin Eckler can be coached into this game. Brandon Staley. I don't think he's hurt, bro. I don't think it's true. Like, just give your best player the ball, bro. What is wrong with you? Regardless of how good Keenan Allen is, your offense runs through Austin Eckler, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And he's not getting enough work. This offense could be popping off if you schemed Austin Eckler up some touches, dude. Come on. Give your offense some flow. Like, no one thing I've noticed about the Chargers offense is they... Whoever's calling the plays, dude, is just... Doing it willy nilly. He's asking Madden, bro. That's what's happening. He's asking Madden. Yeah, that would be. What do I run next? That would be Kellen Moore. Yeah, me and Brian kind of discussed this last week too. Um, yeah, you know, um, even though Brandon Staley is very much a bad coach, um, but you you know the blame also kind of has to fall on Kellen Moore's shoulders a little bit too because even the past few years where Brandon Staley was still the coach, Austin Eckler was performing much better with the last offensive coordinator that they have. And I'm not sure if Kellen Moore knows how to feed his star running back. And it's really bad. Cause it's like that. Um, it's like the Zach Charbonnet effect. Like that Zach Charbonnet is not Kenneth Walker. He walked in and took Kenneth Walker's. I'm not saying Austin Eckler needs 20 carries a game, but 12, 15, 
scheme him up a little, a couple touches and RPOs, something like that. Dude, your mm-hmm. quarterback's got messed up hands. Yeah. Like he has the, he has the brace on the finger. And then on that last game, he had another hand injury on his other hand. This dude's hands are messed up. Mm-hmm. Just give it to your running back. Let him run it a little bit. You know, it's, I'd like to see the Chargers maybe smarten up with and, and feed their good, great players. You know, maybe we'll see a better game. Yep. Oh, by the way, I'm also taking this as my safest game of the week. So Chargers over Patriots for my safest game of the week, which currently stands at six and two right now. I got a little too cute last week with my last decision and paid the price for it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you definitely, definitely (laughs) did. And look, not only. I don't know, dude, I was very surprised with the defense Chicago played in that game. So, yeah, that's that's the reason why our defense Montez sweat. Yeah. And Josh Jobs had his worst game of his career, so oh well. Astronaut he is, huh? Yeah, pastronaut. <laughs> All right. Uh <laughs> next game. Lions eight and three at the Saints, five and six. Kendra Miller is out. Rashid Shahid is out. Chris Olave will be a game time decision. Saints defenders Marcus May and Pete Werner are also out. And then Lions linebacker Alex Anzalone is doubtful. Talk about a little bit of a trap game. That's what I am precisely thinking, sir. Talk about a little bit of a trap for the Lions coming in here, kind of taking a hit last week and getting humbled a little bit. Um, Jared Goff has been really bad with the turnovers lately. And it started with Chicago. Chicago's defensive revolution, It that's another team that we kind of exposed the Lions' offense a little bit. It showed that mm-hmm. Jared Goff is struggling to beat teams on his own. And, I mean, for the Lions to come up and, like, lose to the Packers, like, pretty convincingly on Thanksgiving and then coming back and playing a Saints team who is fairly hobbled themselves, especially on the offense, is going to be pretty interesting to watch. Um, although I think this is a little bit of a trap game. I do think I do think to myself, can the Saints offense withstand through all the injuries, even if if Chris Olave is not playing in this game, you got to really think about who's on this offense that can produce a lot of, I guess, numbers and stand in. I guess they got a guy that can do it all, but can he do so much that you can overcome three major injuries in the wide receiving room? And, and, I necessarily I don't necessarily know that. So yeah. we'll see what happens in this game. Who are you picking? Oh man, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and have fun with this. I'm gonna go with my complete gut here. I'm gonna go ahead and take the Saints to win this game. And I think it's gonna be because of their defense. Yeah. I think um, their defense will harass the, out of Jared Goff. I'm actually taking the Saints as well for an upset here. Mac and Brian are both on the Lions, so I love that someone is here with me on the Saints. Their Saints are at home, dude, and the Saints mm-hmm. are sniffing a play, uh, a division win here. It's wide open for the Saints to win this division. Yeah. They don't have they have competition, but it's not stiff competition. Like the Falcons and the Bucks are not stiff competition for the yeah. Saints to win this division. Oh, you could win this shit at nine and eight, mm-hmm. and they're already almost there. So. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. I know the offensive injuries are a lot to overcome right now, but I really do think that Jared Goff is sliding. The Lions defense has been sliding a little bit the past few weeks, so I Mm -hmm. smell blood in the water here. Saints all day. Yeah, dude, and if you look, he's – I mean, he played a fairly clean game against um, the – 
the Packers, but he had some fumbling issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some fumbling issues against the Bears too, and the Chargers almost beat them. You know what I mean? Like it's been a really sketchy last couple weeks to come out with two wins in these last three weeks for the Lions is literally the only thing that's saving the Lions fan fan base from burning this motherfucker to the ground and being in panic mode is the fact that you squeezed out a win versus the Bears. Mm-hmm. Like if if it would have been a loss to the Bears and a loss to the Packers those last two weeks, dude, it would be a whole different narrative when it comes to Detroit right now. But just the fact that they were able to pull off a win um, against the Bears is, I guess, their silver lining. But uh, man, I got to tell you, out of all these teams that they played recently, the Saints got the best defense. Mm-hmm. Saints have a very solid defense. They're not world beaters, but you better be careful. They yep. got to be really careful with that. All right, uh, let's move on. So we have the Falcons five and six at the Jets, who are four and seven. Matt Collins is questionable for this game. Brees Hall was a full participant in practice on Friday, but still remains on the injury report as questionable. Dalvin Cook is also questionable, and then Israel Boniconda is questionable. So they have some hits in their running back room right now. We don't know which one is actually going to play until game time. On Sunday, man, and and you hope you get to see a Bijan Brees Hall matchup, right? Mm-hmm. We hope that we get to see these two talented running backs and the very similar teams, if you ask me, with the Falcons and the Jets. Pretty good. I mean, the Jets obviously have a better. You, we know how we feel about the Jets' defense around here. The Jets' defense is much better than the Falcons' offense. I mean, the Falcons' defense. But then the Falcons' offense is better than the Jets' offense. Mm-hmm. So it's really something's got to give here. Like, who's going to win out in this game? Um, I'm still going to roll with the Falcons, though. Okay. I mean, even though even though this is in New Jersey, um, I don't look at MetLife as necessarily a home field advantage for a team this bad. I think New York Jets fans hate the New York Jets more than anyone else. So there will be more boos to go around for the Jets offense than anything else. Like, I, Jets fans might start cheering the Falcons at some point. Um, just, just so maybe the Jets slide into a better draft position. It's time to start thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers can go ahead and sit down and rest his Achilles because the Jets will be four and eight. Stop talking about coming back, dude. We're done. I think it's going to happen. I, he, they have to win this game in their following games for it to make sense for Aaron Rodgers to come back. But the Jets are really sliding right now. Yeah. And they have played some good teams. They have lost some good teams. But um, like I said with the Saints, dude, I think the Falcons realize that they can win this division. They're number one in there. So who wants it more? And I honestly got to tell you, dude, I think the Falcons will come into this game wanting it more. Yeah. I'm also taking – actually, we are all on the Falcons here. Um, yeah, personally, just say what you will about Desmond Ritter, but I still do think he can move this offense a little bit better than Tim Boyle can. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is gonna have this have to be a running back show for the Falcons. Like they're really gonna have to lean on Bijan and Tyler Algier, and maybe like someone other than Drake London or another like Kyle Pitts. Maybe like maybe Kyle Pitts comes out and has a good game. Who knows? But it's gonna be an interesting game to watch. It could also be the stinkiest game we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean lately though, Bijan has been getting a lot more work overall. So I think Arthur Smith is finally like kind of like turning a leaf here on how he needs to use his star players. So I'm gonna that's take how that. I feel about uh, Arthur Smith. 
Just uh, me too, buddy. Up. Me too, buddy. It's just, it's just another guy that doesn't know how to utilize his his running backs. Like him and Brandon Staley should do like a little like they should go to therapy, like occupational hypnotherapy. You know what I mean? Just get their minds right. You could honestly make a reality TV show with those two coaches. Oh yeah, and you just pick like two more to throw in there too. We'll figure out somebody. Matt Lafleur. No. Oh. All right. Yeah, man. All right, so we're all on the Falcons. Moving on, Cardinals two and ten at the Steelers, who are seven and four. Trey McBride will be a game time decision, as will Hollywood Brown. Zach Pascal is questionable, and there are no major injuries for the Steelers. Mm. Well, this is really good. It's really look. This is the perfect game that Pittsburgh has needed. Um, I think this is a game where they can. They're at home. Um, they're in the second week of a different play caller. Uh, I mean. Their offense looked pretty popping last week. They didn't really put game, uh, points up on the board, but if there was a get-right game for Kenny Pickett, this is this it. This is it, dude. This is the game where we need to kind of see they got no real injuries. Come on. This is also a very juicy matchup, too, for the Steelers running backs. No, it's very juicy for the Steelers. Both of them. Yeah, both of them. Najee Harris has actually been pretty damn good the last few weeks, even though we're a very anti-Najee Harris podcast here. You would think I would be anti Najee Harris, and I still am. I still think he is not that good, but I do think play calling is about 50% of player success on the field. Mm -hmm. Like, can we scheme up? Can't does it whoever's calling plays? I don't know for Pittsburgh. I don't care. Can can they get Najee Harris in the right run plays? Yep. Because this dude's not a run it up the middle guy. He's not fat. He's like a Melvin Gordon. He needs to be, he needs to be put into some open space and see his holes. Mm -hmm. Like he's he's a big rumble and tumble guy. Like he needs to have the right plays called for him. He's not a superstar athlete that's gonna cut and cut and go. Like mm -hmm. they're trying to treat him like Le'Veon Bell. He's not. He's not Le'Veon Bell. Stop trying to make it happen. He's not gonna create his own seventeen yard runs. That's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Now. I think um, Jalen Warren, that's Jalen Warren, right? He's yep. the guy. He's oh, yeah, the guy that can create his own space. And they need, like, I, if they can find that happy medium of how to play both of these guys, and it's the perfect two-headed machine because they can both produce. But that defense, I mean, that offense is going to run through those running backs this week. And, but needless to say, Carolina, I mean, not Carolina, Arizona does play up to their opponents. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens here. So who are you picking in this matchup? I'm going to go the Steelers. Yeah. So we're they all win games. We are all on the Steelers here at Raging Takes. Um, so me personally, yeah, I'm going with the Steelers because after what we saw last week, it was their first week where they actually outgained their opponent all season. Mm -hmm. And I do think that was due in part to the new offensive coordinator. And I'd like to see that momentum continue here for the Steelers offense. And I think it will because the one good one thing Kenny Pickett is good at is holding on to that ball. Mm -hmm. He's not a turnover machine. He's also not he's like Kyle Orton. Do you remember Kyle Orton? I do. From back yeah. in the day. The dude wasn't gonna throw three picks in a game. He wasn't gonna fumble all the time. But is he gonna throw for 180 yards and one touchdown? Yeah. And did he always have elite running backs to really get his offense going? Yeah. And Kyle Orton made the playoffs. 
and 05. He brought that Bears team to the playoffs with a top-end defense, and he played game manager. And if Kenny Pickett can do that and just feed his receivers when he needs to and let that run game take over, dude, the Steelers are better than their, I guess, their overall points scored is because they have literally, they're the they're the lowest scoring team in their division and are the number two in their division. So there's a lot to be said about that defense. So if we can get that offense moving a little bit more in Pittsburgh, if they can get it moving a little bit more, this team does play playoff football. Yeah. Ball security, run the ball, play great defense on you. Come on. Yeah. We I think the chances it. are pretty high too. Uh Fryermuth being back in this offense makes this offense overall so much better too. Don't sleep on it. He's their best weapon. Yeah. I Pat Fryermuth is their best I, weapon. I don't disagree at all. All right, uh, moving on. So we got the Dolphins, 8-3 and three at the Commanders, who are 4-8. and eight. Commanders cornerback Emmanuel Forbes is out. Dolphins safety Javon Holland is questionable. And Dolphins O-linemen Robert Jones and Teron Armstead are questionable to play. And then lastly, Dolphins linebacker Jalen Phillips was placed on IR Wednesday and will not play for the rest of the season. So what do we got here, Dylan? Um, I'm really looking for... Um this to be kind of a high scoring game. I think it will too. I don't look at the Dolphins defense as like one that's going to prevent a shootout, but their offense is one that can sustain a shootout. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So the commanders might fall. I think the commanders will probably fall behind by two touchdowns in the first quarter. Like that's just how I imagine this game going. It's like a a quick Tyreek touchdown and then like a three and out by the commanders and then the Dolphins score again. And then all of a sudden you need Sam Howell to throw 50 passes again. And this is the formula for Washington. This is what they've been going through. It's like their game, their game script gets thrown out the window, and then Sam Howell <coughs> chucking fifty passes a game. Yeah, and I, I, I could see that as like high production on both ends. Yeah, I definitely do think that is what's going to happen. I think Sam Howell all season has been a safe bet to have high volume passing games. Absolutely. I mean, he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year, Sam Howell is. Mm-hmm. Like, sneakily, really a productive fantasy quarterback. And that's not because they're winning games. It's because he's throwing, he's got the highest, I think, one of the highest in the league throwing volumes Yeah, of any quarterback. So, if anything, this will be an entertaining game, but I don't see the commanders knocking them off. I mean, why would they? Even though Miami looks like they have more, they have a little bit more Injury problems, especially on the offensive line, but I don't think the offensive line is uh, that bad when you see Tua getting the ball out in like 1.2 seconds just to to anybody. I mean, and the commander's defense can't really stop anything. So I definitely do see this being a big Dolphins offensive shootout. and And the commanders can't really rush the passer necessarily either. So... I think if there's a week for the Dolphins to kind of have a weaker offensive line, this is the week that you'll be able to withstand that. Um, but, man, I, I'm i looking forward to seeing, like, Tyree kill eat. Yeah. You know uh, I mean? he's, def- he's definitely going to. Yeah, I mean, I- I'd assume Emmanuel Forbes is their top corner, too. So Yeah, it's pretty crazy because he, he's a rookie, I think. Mm. So, <laughs> so, I'm get- so you're on the Dolphins then? Yeah, I'll be on the Dolphins this week for sure. All right. We are all on the Dolphins here. Uh, moving on. 
This is actually a low-key, pretty good game this week. So we got the Broncos 6-5 and five at the Texans, who are also 6-5. and five. So this is a big, big matchup for the AFC playoff seeding. Mm-hmm. This is my game of the week, I think. Like, this is not no segment needed, but this is my game of the week that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to turn this game on and I'm going to probably watch the whole thing. Yeah. So for this game, Dalton Schultz is out. Tank Dell and Noah Brown are both questionable and no major injuries for the Broncos. So some pretty big key injuries here for the Texans offense. Um, If Tank Dell and Noah Brown both don't play, this is going to be a huge Nico Collins game. Mm -hmm. I do think it will be. I think regardless, it'll probably be a huge Nico Collins game just because he's uh, he stays steady like Mm -hmm. he's uh, he's Eddie production guy and those kind of guys have their peaks and valleys a little bit, kind of like a T Higgins uh, style play out there where he'll have some pedestrian games in a row. And then all of a sudden Nico Collins goes for three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we saw this before, even with Tank Dell on the field, even with Noah Brown on the field and the Texans offense being fully healthy, we've seen Nico Collins bust out and break out. So I could see that happening regardless. Um, both of these teams don't want to lose. Yeah. So that is a huge, huge like factor when it comes to great games. When you get two teams that go into the game and they refuse to lose, you come out with great product. And I think the NFL is lucky to have this game on the schedule this week because these are two of the, I would say, hotter, more up-and-coming teams in the NFL right now. I'm really excited to watch it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy game, too, because, you know, Broncos are completely hot right now. Texans, of course, are ascendant, too. So what's going to give here? Um, me, personally, I'm taking the Broncos. I I just see something here. What about you? Um, It'd be crazy. It'd be kind of crazy not to choose um, the Broncos, right? But I'm a big, I'm a big huge believer in the Texans. Oh, and me, I too, think but that it's tough. I don't think that... Um, I don't think Tank Dell will necessarily be. I, I think Tank Dell will probably play in this game. Like he's shown that he's pretty tough. Like Tank Dell comes out and he plays tough. He's a smaller guy. Um, eventually, that Mister Unlimited Magic's got to end sometime, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think that. I, I think that they've played. They played an explosive offense in Buffalo, right? They beat Buffalo, they beat Kansas City, they play good defense, but this Texans offense is a field stretching offense. Mm-hmm. They will they will try to hit you for 40 and 50 yard passes constantly. So I think it might actually it might actually be like the one offense that maybe could score on this Broncos defense right now. Other than like a top elite offense, like the if the Eagles or Niners were coming to town, I don't think the Broncos defense would mean anything uh, to overpower that. But the Texans have shown that they could score with anybody or they could score 40 points on you. So um, I'm going to go with the Texans here. Okay. I really think that they lost, they lost a tough division game against Jacksonville, but Jacksonville is eight and three in their own. So yeah, a good team like i'm not surprised that the texans lost to the jaguars but yeah i think this will be the toughest game of the week like this is the least safe game of the week oh absolutely <laughs> yeah i think the, i think the texans are actually favored in this one by three but honestly if, if it were up to me i would just say this is a pick 'em. 
Yeah, this is definitely a pick 'em game. This is a push game, but they only get the three because they're at home, which yeah. makes sense. And I mean, the questionables here. Uh, let's just say Tank Dell and Noah Brown both play. We're talking about something different here. We're talking about a full-powered oh, yeah. Texans offense. And regardless, I'm I'm definitely excited to watch this game be played. Yeah, same here. So uh, you, Mac, and Brian are on the Texans, and I am the lone Bronco here. So see how that one turns up. A lone Bronco. All right. Uh, next up, Panthers one and ten at Bucks four and seven. Panthers safety Von Bell is out. Hayden Hurst is out. Buccaneers linebackers Devin White and Levante David are out, and Chris Godwin is a game time decision. Man, this is like um, the injury bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's some so pretty big players. injuries here. And um, I guess this is kind of a trap game for the for the Panthers to win. You know what I mean? Like this, a tr- even though the Buccaneers really have nothing to be trapped for. They're four and seven. Uh, it is a division game, and Carolina showed that they can at least beat a talented team when they beat Houston. So I'm not really looking for the dominant game here, and I'm not really good, just going to go. I don't want them to win, but I'm going to go with an upset here, and I'm going to pick the Panthers. Ooh, holy crap! I think that I think that the Panthers can come away with a win here. I mean, they are in Tampa. They are, you know, not favored. But when you do have like a hobbled defense, you know, by on the Buccaneers side, it, a lot can go on, you know, especially with a division game. So, and they just fired Frank Reich and they got a new, uh, they got a new regime coming in. Like we've seen how these coaching changes can really change things. The they can swing things and they can change the energy in the building and they can get these guys believing in something and want to win games, you know? So I, I, yeah, I would say like in this division matchup, like I, w- I don't want to see Carolina win because we own their first round pick, but I'm going to be right about a pick, especially when it's an upset like this. So I know I'm probably wrong here, but let's go. Let's see. It's yeah, that's, I mean, while I do respect your reasoning for picking the Panthers, me, myself, am not. I am not brave enough to pick the Panthers here in this matchup, even though I do somewhat in the back of my mind think that there is a chance that they could because of these pretty key injuries to the Bucks defense. I'm still going to go with the Bucks here. Mac and Brian are also on the Bucks. Yeah, let's not forget, like, the Bucks have... And their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games are one and six. Yeah, they've been sliding a little bit. They're sliding bad. And they were a hotter team coming off the press, you know, like they were what but they were like three and one. To start the year, yeah. Yeah, and they've really just have gone one and six since. So I don't really necessarily see the Buccaneers as a, they're not a good team. They're, they're, they're the Chargers to me, honestly, of yeah, the NFC. So. NFC Chargers. Yeah. Damn, that's, that's, actually, that's actually a really great one because yeah. they lose games they're expected to win, you know? Mm-hmm. And they lose um, them in very close fashion. Very close. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the afternoon game. So uh, we got Brown 7-4 at the Rams 5-6. Joe Flacco is expected to start. What year is it, by the way? Oh, 
He's definitely past his prime. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, for sure. that's for sure. Even though all reports out of camp right now is that the arm strength is still absolutely there. So I'm very interested to see if that is correct. Um, as we know, Doreen Thompson Robinson is out for this contest. Denzel Ward is out for this contest. And no major injuries for the Rams. You know, there's a lot of really tricky matchups this week uh, when it comes to injuries and guys coming in. And uh, I don't think Joe Flacco is necessarily ready to get back into the NFL flow. It seems like he's starting for the Browns, but I'm not a huge believer. Um, I, I'm not necessarily a huge believer in the Rams either, uh, but they are necessarily kind of on the upswing. They they did what they beat care. They beat uh, the Seahawks and then they won two division games in a row. Mm-hmm. So, um, it seems like the Rams may be getting sort of right for their playoff push. Like we, there's a possibility that the Rams can sneak into the the playoffs here, especially if they win out or um, win like before their next five. I think there's five games left, something like that. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, the Rams here. They're at home. Um, the Browns are on their fourth quarterback. Like, oh, something's got to give. You know what I mean? So I really see the I see the Rams kind of stealing this game from the from the Browns. Yeah, I'm also taking the Rams. Yeah, ever since uh, Ky- Kyron Williams has been back in this lineup, the uh, the offense moves at such a more balanced and more efficient, well oiled machine when Kyron Williams is in there. Yeah, Matt Stafford plays better with with, with Kyron back in the lineup as well too. Um, yeah, and plus desperation is at an all-time high for the Rams right now. If the Rams win this game, they are tied with Seattle, and they actually hold the tiebreaker over Seattle as well. So all that being said, yeah, Rams could definitely win this contest. Uh, Denzel Ward is a huge injury for the Browns as well. Oh, yeah. Who's going to cover Cooper, you know? Exactly. Yeah, so um, we are all on the Rams here for this contest. So, That's interesting. Yeah. Could could be sneaky a low could a low key good game too. I mean, all Joe Flacco really has to do is be a game manager quarterback and hope that defense holds out. But I don't think I don't believe that happening honestly. Yeah, it seems like the Rams offense is clicking on a, as many cylinders as they have all year because mm-hmm. they have Cooper back, Puka's healthy, Tyler Higby's a little bit you know heating up a little bit. Kyron Kyron Williams is back and he's as hot as he's ever been. Like this Rams offense could get rolling at the right time mm-hmm. and um, muddle up that and the the tail end of that NFC uh, playoff seating. So mm-hmm. I think the Rams probably want to win this game more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next one. This is a great game. 49ers yeah. eight and three at the Eagles who are 10 and one Eagles are home underdogs. And Dallas Goddard is doubtful for the contest. Fletcher Cox is questionable and no major injuries for the 49ers here. So what is going to give here, Dylan? I don't know. I, the, the the Eagles being home dogs kind of is so baffling to me because I don't think that the Niners are that much better. Like, I don't think that the Niners are unbeatable. They've shown that they had a three-game slide earlier in the season. I know they had some injuries and stuff, but come on. Like, this is a more push of a game than... Uh, than the Texans Broncos is yeah like to say that the uh, Vegas is confident you know that 
the Niners are favored is is kind of odd to me. But what I'm looking for here is, um, man, is that is that Eagles defense? Can they get enough of a rush on Brock Purdy to kind of soften or to kind of like help their secondary stay alive? Can this front seven has to harass Brock Purdy? They yeah, they can't let him be comfortable. Yeah, the Eagles front seven has been underperforming the last few weeks. That's the one thing that does worry me. This is going to be a very much different game than the NFC Championship last year where the 49ers were pretty much playing without a quarterback for most of the game. I do believe the 49ers will make it a point to protect their quarterback this time around because they saw how much that doomed them last time. Um, Eagles secondary is still very much a weakness, and Brock Purdy has been one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the league this year. So that also kind of worries me. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Do the Eagles secondary have enough juice to stop those options? And of course you got CMC. Yeah. So if there's a team that's geared up that has, has what it takes to beat Philly and give them their second loss, I think it would be San Francisco. Um, But just the fact that it's in Philly and Philadelphia is like they're Philadelphia is getting a little bit of hate for, you know, the games that they're guess winning mm-hmm. like Philly's the most hated winning team ever. I think oh, like, yeah. people want to just shit on Philly. They want to say like this, this is helping them. This is hurting them. The Eagles are getting this. The Eagles are getting that. It's like you can watch any NFL game across the board and realize that the refs are favoring one team or the other or fucking taking away touchdowns and this and that. But regardless of everything that's been going on, they're winning games in different fashions. I mean, they beat Dallas, Kansas City, and Buffalo three weeks in a row, and they're 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 underdogs at home now. So, um, I'm gonna I think I'll ride with the not necessarily the hot hand because both these teams are hot, but I I just gonna I think I'm just gonna roll with Philly again. Okay. I mean, it's a safe bet. They're playing at home. I'm not. This game's gonna be a slobber knocker. You know what I mean? It's probably gonna come down to who has the ball last. And um, I think that the one thing that the Eagles have maybe over the Niners is their the Niners are more of like a big play scoring team. Like they're going to score on you from 40 yards out, 50 yards out, get a 30-yard completion, this, this, and that. That doesn't control the clock. Mm-hmm. That gets you points. Philly controls the clock on teams. Philly yeah. will – Philly, you'll be like oh, – they they've – they have five third down conversions on this drive. Uh-oh, my defense is tired. And at the end of the game, that's why Philly's winning these games. They wear these teams down between their running game and their short passing game and just keeping teams on the field going forward on fourth and one, you know, at midfield because they know they can get it. Um, they tire teams out towards the end of the game, and that's how they're – it's a war of attrition with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So can the Niners outlast this attrition that Philly will put on you? with their physical offense. Um, and it'll be definitely be close, but I think Philly walks out with the win. And then maybe this will silence a lot of the haters and doubters out there. It probably won't, but yeah. It probably will not. You're right. And I've been accused of being an Eagles fan. As you know, I'm not. I just like good football. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, And I'm a Bears fan. I don't get much of that. I get like <laughs> one good game a year, and it's early in the season. So, yeah. Let's just roll with the – I think the Phillies the better team here too. Yeah, uh, just pure principle. You know? I am also taking my team here in this matchup. Um, yeah, the difference between Jalen Hurts when he's 
leading versus when he's making a comeback is so vast. Like, I really do think this could be a game where the Eagles start off slow like they've been known to do all season. You know, they have a very slow first half. They're down a bunch. And then Jalen Hurts all of a sudden just flips that switch in his head, becomes that leader. He's probably one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the league right now when it comes to getting his team back into the game and getting that hard victory for them. So I could very well see this game this game starting off that way and the Eagles take a tough win in the end here. I definitely see that. You no, know, being at home, even though the even though the fucking sports books don't see it, I think being at home is a huge, huge advantage mm-hmm. for, for Philly. And I think that they realize that now that if they can't lose to San Fran because then they play Dallas, like this is a must win game for Philly and it's not it's not even close. Like not just for winning their division, but for home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Only one team gets the home field, like the the first round bye and home field advantage. You know what I mean? It's not two anymore. Yeah. It's just one. So you have to be the best of the best. And um, I think Philly realizes that home field advantage is probably the most important to them this year. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you got Dallas in the mix too, you know, because we, pl- we do not want to run into Dallas in the playoffs. So, um, yeah. So we don't want to be playing in Dallas either. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. No, no. So for this game, me, you, and Mac are on the Eagles. Brian is the lone 49er pick here. Here's a little difference maker in the standings. Yeah. I mean, I kind of I, I kind of think that was a spite pick by Brian. He really loves to hate the Eagles, so. Uh, he did. It's his least favorite team, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Still, still. All right. And these are Raiders, man. <laughs> oh, I know. All right, let's move on to our Sunday night matchup. We have the Chiefs 8-3 and three at the Packers, who are 5-6. and six. Jarek McKinnon is questionable for this game. Over on the Packers side, Aaron Jones is out. Jair Alexander is questionable. Rudy Ford is questionable. Devondre Campbell is questionable. And like we mentioned earlier, wide receivers Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed are both game-time decisions. Man, I just... I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to say the Chiefs are going to win this game. I know it's in Lambeau, but um, just like a lot of these other teams, it becomes must-win territory for these teams, and the Chiefs have to win these one-off games against these opponents to kind of keep pace with Baltimore. Uh, So I'm pretty sure Kansas City wants home field advantage in the playoffs too. And I think losing to a team like the Packers will really uh, hurt them when it comes to tiebreakers. And – yeah, I don't I don't I don't think uh I don't think Patrick Mahomes loses a lot in December either. Like yeah. I think he has a pretty good they usually finish the year pretty good and he knows that this time is coming. He he knows that this is the crunch time in the end of the season and I think we might be looking at like a vintage Patrick Mahomes game, Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey game. I know that's been kind of on the slide lately, but um I look for this Chiefs offense to finally kick it into gear and, mm-hmm. and and beat a team that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. I'm also taking the Chiefs here, but I would not be surprised if the Packers can make a game out of this. You know, they have been on the rise lately. Jordan Love has been steadily improving as the franchise quarterback over there in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, while the, they do have a lot of injuries, I can just see the Packers somewhat staying in this game because the Chiefs are very wishy-washy when it comes to the second half too. You know, up until uh, last week, they were shut out in the second half for like three weeks. Yeah. I mean, 
guess the. I just really want to see the Packers lose. I don't want to see them squeeze into the playoffs somehow. I don't. They're not going it doesn't to. Sound, it doesn't sound good to me at all. I think a win would help them do that. Um, but this is in this is in Green Bay, and the Chiefs are favored by six. So what does that tell you? You know. Well, I mean, it's just Chiefs are, of course, the better team overall. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're all we're all on the Chiefs here. Um, if there's nothing else to say, let's move on to our last matchup here: Monday Night Football. Bengals five and six at the Jaguars, who are eight and three. Travis Etienne is questionable. T. Higgins will make his return, and no major injuries here for the Bengals. Man, I think coming into this game, you were really excited about seeing like Joe Burrow Versus, and Trevor Lawrence duking it out. Yeah, and the, the battle of the first overall picks in the draft, but it just didn't pan out this way. Um, it's really disappointing for Monday Night Football because I don't. I don't think the Bengals are competitive anymore. Like they have a good defense. They played competitive against the Steelers, you know, that's still lost. Um, <coughs> my man is just, uh, is great for the Jaguars though. Yeah. I mean, I do <laughs> like, I do like T Higgins returning back to this Bengals offense. I know Jake Browning is their quarterback, but, um, uh... I think it helps him out. I mean, he hasn't been honestly like the worst replacement quarterback to me though either. It's just, yeah, he doesn't give him a big chance to win, but he does give him a chance to be competitive. At least I think so. Dang. So this is the first time the Jaguars have been on Monday Night Football in 12 years. Really? Yeah, that's what I'm reading right now on ESPN. Hmm. Jaguars hope to shine against Bengals on Monday Night Football after 12-year drought in the TV spot. Wow. Uh, So can you imagine if they would have flexed this game out? Jaguars fans would be like, fuck, ow, we hate you. We never get any good shit out of you, Jaguars. I'm really really just going to go ahead and say, like, um, I guess uh, this is not a safe pick for the Jaguars to win, but they're at home. You know, they're playing a hobbled Bengals team, so I got to give it to the Jags. Hopefully they can pull it together and show us some entertaining football at least in a, a little bit. I think they will. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been much improved lately, too, and he's been getting a lot of rushing touchdowns, too. So for fantasy, yeah. Trevor Lawrence has been a stud the past few weeks. He has, ever since I dropped him in my in one of my leagues. I dropped him and then go in. As soon as I dropped him, I go, oh, he'll probably have the best game of, his, <coughs> of the season this week, and then he did, and then he pops off again, and I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. So We don't talk about that. So who are you picking for this game? I'm going to go Jaguars. Jaguars, okay. So we are all on the Jaguars here. Yeah, I think this is a pretty comfortable pick here. Oh, for sure. All right. Um, I think that about does it here for the Week 13 preview. Um, Dylan, I know we have your segment here, DP's Delicious Pop-Offs. Um, I wanted to kind of go over uh, my last week's yeah. with you because that was the plan was to like kind of go over – some of the pop-ups I had, um, I had Zay Flowers uh, popping off against the Chargers. And um, although he might not have had like the biggest game ever, he scored two touchdowns, one yeah. through the air and one on the ground. So we'll, I'd like we'll, to we'll say count that, that one. We'll count that one we'll, as a pop-off. We'll count that one. Um, Rashid Shahid got hurt in his game. Obviously, he did not pop off. I would take that as an L. Um, not necessarily because of you know him not playing well, but him being bounced from the game. So I'll take that as a loss. But my third pop-off was Kyron Williams. Now, I didn't even expect an almost 40-point game from Kyron Williams, but he got it. 
And mm-hmm. I could see this coming from a mile away. So I will go ahead and take that as a win. That is a that is another win in my pop off category. Hopefully you got to start him. Hopefully he's he was in your uh, lineup there. Um, Evan Ingram. I was going in between. Yeah, I was going in between him and Pat Fryermuth for my pop off, right? And I didn't know who to pick, so I was like, I'm just gonna go with the guy who was a hot quarterback. Wrong, wrong. Um, and then Kyler Murray. I mean, he had a 20 point game. I'd say that's pretty average for how he's doing. I'll call it a push. So it's two, two, and one in my opinion. I don't think Kyler popped off. He had like a lower point total than he'd have the weeks before, but but he did show consistency. So. I will say, though, um, I don't know if you saw in our Instagram post, but uh, Brittany from Streets, she started Save Flowers because of your advice, and it helped her win that week, so thought that would make you feel that's, better. That's what I'm here for, and I'm glad I can help at least one person win a game during this playoff push time, because what else can you do? Yep. What else can you do? So this week's pop-off list, um, I have a couple. We talked about a couple of these guys on the podcast. Um I'll go with my first, um, and it's just going to be because I think he has a lot of uh, touches coming in, and this might not be like a popular pick. Like, it might not be crazy out of nowhere, but it's going to be Zach Moss. <coughs> okay. I think you can look at Zach Moss to have a pop-off game um, in a division game where they're going to kind of need to be physical and control the ball and keep that Titans offense off the field with Derrick Henry because we all know Derrick Henry plays super hard at the end of seasons. Um so look for Zach Moss to kind of be the linchpin of that Colts offense. I think he will give you a chance to win if you're able to start him. Hopefully you do have him if you had Jonathan Taylor. Um, this second one's going to really shock maybe a couple of people that listen. I know it'll probably shock you. Um, but my second pop-off of the week is going to be Najee Harris. Okay. So I think just I, I play mean, calling. Yeah. The matchup so, is great. So, yeah. The, the matchup is definitely great, right? Um, new play caller, better matchup. That offense is rolling a little bit more. Najee has been a little bit more explosive. Um, and I think all Najee has to do is show that and they're going to give him the ball. That's their guy. They've proven it. They still want to give him the ball. So if he can get the ball rolling against this, against his team, um, I'm talking multiple like vintage Najee Harris, um, with Ben Roethlisberger year pass game, rush game. I'm talking two touchdowns here. I'm calling it two touchdowns for Najee Harris. If you have him, I would start him. This is the week. Okay. Um, number three, uh, I'm going to go Taysom Hill for mm. the Saints. Um, he's had some productive games in the past, but just due, due to sheer injuries, all these receivers are hurt. It's going to be the Alvin Kamara Taysom Hill show. So I'm really looking for Taysom Hill to get a little bit more work, enough to actually slide him into your lineup. I know he's like available in some leagues at quarterback and tight end. So you can go quarterback, tight end, flex, get Taysom Hill in your lineup however you can. Okay. Whatever you need. It's by Apocalypse Week, guys. Throw Taysom Hill in your lineup here. Um, third, uh, fourth guy we talked about is Nico Collins. I think Nico Collins, it's about his time to score some points. Um, he's always there. He's always productive. Like we said, there's could be a guy or two out. So... If you have Nico Collins and you're kind of struggling to like decide who you're going to play or who's going to be productive for you, Nico Collins could be that guy. All right. Um, my next one here is kind of kind of an off the wall one. Um, we talked about this game. Where is it? I'm going to pull up this game before I 
Oh, my, I definitely have a soft brain today. All right, so it's the Carolina Panthers player, uh, Adam Thielen. Mm. We got the Buccaneers defense is a little bit hobbled. They have their cornerbacks out, linebackers out. Um, I think it just soft enough for Adam Thielen to kind of like come back. Like he's been okay this year, Adam Thielen. <coughs> so can he can he come through and have a vintage Adam Thielen game? I believe so. Okay. So like I said again, it's a heavy bye weeks. We got six teams on bye. We got a game played on Thursday, so seven teams are out. You may be looking for a little bit of upside. He might not be the sexiest start, but Adam Thielen can get you some points. He's proven that in the past. And this year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't done a quarterback yet. I've been kind of... You're, um, at, you're at five right now. Oh. I mean, if you I'll, want... do a, I'll do a bonus. Okay. I'll do a quarterback here. Um. A quarterback that I think has the ability to pop off this week, it's the same exact game. Same exact game. Baker Mayfield. Okay. So in this division game, I do believe Baker Mayfield would probably have to take this game over. I think his weapons will help him out a little bit. Um, But he's kind of been struggling in fantasy this year. So if you're in the situation where you're having to think about a quarterback that maybe has some higher upside, but not necessarily the sexiest start that you want to take a little gamble on. I would say Baker Mayfield is probably high up on that list, especially against like the Panthers defense. Um, I think this has the ability to be a little bit of a sneaky, like not a high scoring game, but enough for enough scoring for a quarterback to be relevant in the game. So it might be a little bit of a risk. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything, but Baker Mayfield. Okay. Actually, if you have a very thin waiver wire, like Baker might be one of your only choices. I wouldn't be scared to put him in there. Yeah. Well, I like that. Oh, hey, it's a weird one. It's yeah, I a mean, weird week. those are honestly overall some pretty good picks. Yeah. So I hope um, to our viewers out there, you take some of this advice and hopefully win a very important fantasy week. Very important. Yeah. Very important. And if I'm, I'm already eliminated in one of my leagues, if I can help someone else stay away from elimination, it'll help my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well that about does it here for us at raging takes um if you enjoyed the show please like and subscribe to us on youtube audio only options are always available at spotify apple music amazon music and google podcast um you can find all of us on our twitter at raging takes we have instagram facebook threads you name it um I'm at RTP Kai on Twitter. Dylan is at such a wise fool. You can find Brian at Mantana sauce and you can find Mac at it's Mac bruh, B R U H. Um, we will be back on Wednesday to review all the week 13 action here. Dylan, thank you for being on the show with me today. Hey, no problem. It was good to be here. All right, guys. Thank you. Signing off. <laughs>